live. Welcome back to another episode of J Crypto. Today I'm here joined with VP. VP, so quick little context for the audience here. Um, VP gave me a shout out on his podcast and tweeted at me. And that day it was funny because I got like a hundred notifications and I was like, what the heck is going on? Cause I hadn't had the chance to listen to your stuff before. And then I looked and on Twitter, you had like 30,000 followers or 20,000 followers. And then I looked on your YouTube and you had like 300,000 subscribers or 250,000 subscribers, something crazy like that. And it was all generated, I believe, from your podcast. Is that correct? No, not correct. Um, it was generated mostly from my YouTube channel. So I started my YouTube channel in 2018, and it was a Forex trading channel. And I came up with a different way to trade oh. Forex and do technical analysis. Yeah. So for, for about 20 years, everybody was doing things one way, and most people were failing. So uh, over time, um, kind of the early part of that, that last decade, I came up with a, a better way to do it. And then I hoarded it for a few years, and then I finally released it to the public <laughs> in 2018. And then uh, it because because it works really really well, and you can use it in all sorts of different markets. Um, the channel took off, and um, it was a very contrarian way of trading because that's just how my mind works. And so I kind of ran out of things to talk about on the forex end of things. So I said, well, let's take this to investing because. I also invest in a very contrarian way. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I had a, a Forex podcast before. I'm like, well, let's do an investing podcast. So it's called the 10-Minute Contrarian. And uh, I mostly talk about commodities and crypto. <laughs> and I, I try to kind of direct people to where most people aren't looking. Uh, but it's still, but there's still a really compelling bull case for whatever we're talking about. And uh, so we're about 34 episodes into that. The Cardano episode was uh, episode 32. I think, and it was a big episode um, and got a lot of people kind of over in this ecosystem and they, they are pumped about it. Huge. I mean, it's really for background for me, I didn't start on Cardano. You know, I started on, I was really bullish on Binance Smart Chain because it was very cheap. Binance was doing a lot of stuff to incubate projects over there. And I did a lot of research on Ethereum. But I came to Cardano, so I, I got a lot of DeFi. I've seen a lot of, um, you know, DeFi and NFT evolutions. But Cardano sold me in a different way, which we can talk about later. And I'm really sticking with Cardano. A lot of what you said I resonated with. So that's really interesting. So how big of a following do you think you had from Forex? And then how much has that grown from crypto? Because I'd imagine you have gotten probably, you know, right now crypto is like, it's the bee's knees. It's kind of what a lot of investors are looking at. Was there some growth from that as well that kind of topped up those numbers? Just curious. The growth has been a bit smaller. Um, okay. I think what I brought to the Forex world was kind of that, you know, one kind of singular sensation that really just, you know, because, you, you know, like the the success rate of YouTube channels is very small. So to do to do any kind of significant numbers is pretty big and it's it's really hard to repeat. So a lot of my audience is forex traders. They don't really have an interest in investing at all. They're traders. So this is a much more niche audience I'm talking to. Um but the pod but the podcast itself is growing little by little. Um but that it's kind of cool. It's almost like my little pet project, you know. I've I've been successful already in YouTube and now I'm just kind of doing what I want to do. 
and I'm having a lot more fun with it. And uh, I'm actually meeting a lot more people that I like to associate with through this podcast way more than I was with the Forex trading. So it's been rewarding. <laughs> it's been rewarding on a couple ends. Dude, this is bad. I can relate to that. Um, all right. So why don't we kind of get into it? Because listening to your show and speaking with you briefly uh, and doing some exchanges over emails, you caught my eye with a few topics. Um, one of which was this, and we'll get to Cardano, kind of why you've transitioned a little bit in your focus and why you're thinking that Cardano is kind of a good place to be. I say it's where the puck is going. And I think you're kind of seeing it that way a little bit too. But why don't we start with the the king of all cryptos here with uh, Bitcoin and more specifically your contrarian take on crypto and Bitcoin. I think that's a really good place to start because um, I, re- <laughs> I was <laughs> I like, really- what does this mean? Like, I got to find out. Yeah, well, I, I felt like I was on such an island with this. So, um, hmm. okay. So, like I said, I don't. I'm not just contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. My mind just works differently, and I'm able to to see things that I don't think a lot of people are actually seeing because I've always been able to see through the noise really well. Now, there's a yin and yang to that. Like, there's very obvious things in this world that just I completely miss. <laughs> so it's not like I'm like super gifted, you know. It's it's right. it's, it's a push pull type thing. But um, back in September. Bitcoin is right around 60,000, give or take. And there were all these people, very uh, successful YouTubers, very smart finance people that were still saying that Bitcoin was going to hit 100K by the end of December. And I didn't see anybody out there calling bullshit on this. So I come out (laughs) on Twitter. I was like, I got to at least put this out on the record. I'm like, okay, everybody's saying 100K. I'm taking the under hardcore and I was even willing to, to bet people on this, but I didn't want to like put that out on Twitter. Cause like, what if like Raul Paul comes and says, you know, I'll bet you, you know, I can't cover that bet. Like a billion. Yeah. Like a million, <laughs> yeah, like, like a bunch of people come in. Yeah. So I put it out to the discord for him. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go as high as one K, you know, we'll use Litecoin since it's really easy to transfer. Does anybody, you know, if it gets to hundred K at any point before December, you win the bet. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, I win the bet. And all these people that were super maxis and saying all this stuff, nobody wanted any part of that bet. Here's what's interesting about it. They didn't want any part of that bet because the market had been going down for about three or four days. So I come in, like a week later, it starts going up for three or four days and the price is still right around 60K. Mm-hmm. And so I come back, I'm like, hey guys, re- remember me? Bet's yeah. still on. And I got two people to go in at 500 a piece. Um, and so I made a podcast on that. And the main point of the podcast wasn't that, you know, hey, I want to bet. It was, you really got to be careful out there because for one, a lot of people were basing it on the stock to flow model, which was something that somebody just kind of randomly invented. I'm sitting there saying, okay, how is this thing going to jump up 50% in three months? How? Most people who are already interested in crypto are already in it. And this is a point I'm going to bring up a lot while we're talking, because if we need things to go where we eventually want them to go, we need outside money. Mm-hmm. In particular, you know, individual investors are great, but we need those funds. We need the big trillion dollar funds to just give us maybe one or 2% allocation. And this is what we say in the gold community too. This is all we need for things to go crazy. Problem is those big funds, the ones that hold grandma's pension, they're not interested in 
four or five X gains. They're just interested in not losing money. They want safe havens. Anything that drops more than 50% every freaking year is not, not a, safe, a safe haven. If anybody's telling you this, unsubscribe to their channel immediately. <laughs> uh, but people get so caught up in this hype. I'm like, there is no way this is happening. And so, of course, it didn't. It went down to under 50. And I was like, guys, look, I'm not going to sit here and crow about it. Just be really careful with these people making these predictions. It, mm. it serves nobody except for them because they're getting massive clicks out of it. I don't know if they mean to do it, but you know, never make it's crazy. Never right. make a never make a purchase based on a prediction like that. If you're in it, I always tell people if you're going to trade it, trade it. If you're going to be long term, long term. It's those people in the middle that always get hammered. Those are the people who listen to predictions. They take the news too seriously. You know, they they quit too easily. So that I guess that was the main point I was trying to to make on that. So that's very interesting. So the contrary and take was just hey look. I've looked at my own set, my own principles for investing, and it doesn't seem like Bitcoin is going to reach these crazy numbers, which it didn't. And I remember, I, like, personally, there was a few people in my community at the time, like Andrew Donovan, who was, you know, studying the ranges. And he also said, there's, there's, a, there's no chance that it's going, it's going this high. And the way I looked at it was I'm a fundamental investor. I think you've probably gathered that if you've seen any of my content. Sure. So it's not, it's not about Bitcoin going to 250K for me. It's about all the other innovation that's happening and the businesses built on top of Web3 that could you know, unfold, which I'm super excited about. But before we get into that, because I definitely want to get into that, it's kind of the Ethereum and Cardano type of topic here where were you mostly looking at Ethereum in terms of were you looking at DApps? Were you looking at DeFi to VP? For sure. Um, okay, cool. All, I was doing a, pretty much all of this at the same time. And I was interested in a lot of it, but I was really especially drawn to Cardano because mm -hmm. they seemed, you know, Ethereum's big play was to get there first, yeah. um, which is a good idea. First mover advantage has its advantages. You get a My lot space, of, you, know? you, you get a ton of capital. <laughs> into your ecosystem. That's great. But Cardano, I think, realized that, look, you know, we think crypto is going to be here for 20, 30, 40 years. So mm -hmm. we are going to go slow and try to do things the right way. Now, most of the crypto community is all about instant gratification. So they hate that. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, I'm a long-term investor. I actually mean it. And so I was really drawn to that side of things. And now it's kind of coming to roost. Ethereum is really in trouble. Ethereum has almost turned into the legacy finance version of crypto. They're like, hey, pay our exorbitant fees because we are Ethereum. You want to you be a part of Ethereum, don't you? And most people just don't know another course. You know, we think the Cardano community is huge. It could be much, much bigger. There's still a lot of people it's out there small that don't. compared to what it's going to be, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, there's people out there using Uniswap because they think that's the only option. You know, so it's... Um, and I, the one thing I think that will save Ethereum, especially this year, is that outside money I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. That outside money knows about Ethereum. They don't know about Cardano yet. Yeah. So, um, and, and you know, Ethereum's got you know great development and great intellectual property. You know, they could be fine down the road, but this is really Cardano's time to catch up and close that gap. Um, because especially for so many things that you want to do, like on a metaverse, for example, all the in-game purchases you make who's going to want to pay gas fees every time they do that, you know? And so just, just little things like that, 
I think if Cardano really does make a good push and get their little kind of early growing pains out of the way, you know, our time is now. And if you missed out on all those Ethereum dApps, you know, you get a second chance. I know Uh, that's the crazy part for me. It's like, we've seen this story play out before. And right now it's like, you get to be early on this next wave and there's more to it, man. I mean, I don't know how much you know about the EUTXO model, but when it comes to going to a grocery store and submitting a transaction on the Ethereum blockchain, you have to wait for that transaction to uh, uh, like confirm. And if it doesn't confirm, boom, you just paid gas. On the Cardano blockchain, that's not the case because of the EUTXO model. As soon as you hit the confirm button, you know that transaction is going through because it basically sends your wallet and then sends back the change of everything else that your wallet has. So it's, it's, they've done that for the implementation of RealFi and you know DeFi as well, but mostly RealFi when we get into the grocery store example in perpetuity. So I'm with you, man. It's really, uh, it's really interesting how they set things up. It's a gold rush frontier type thing, but it's not like Ethereum to where we didn't really know if these things would take off at all. We already know that they are going to in some capacity. The only downside is now we have like 14 DEXs and 200 meme coins um, because you know these companies knew that there's a lot of, a lot of riches in this if you get it right. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, what a time to be alive, man. I'm telling you, this is... Um, this uh, we might we might not see another opportunity like this for for years so we gotta we gotta jump on it yeah man that's why i'm just so pulled to people like yourself and people in the cardano community huge shout out i mean these people are all like-minded in the fact that we recognize there's an opportunity we just want to learn as much as possible about it as quickly as possible because we've heard the stories of an an eight percent yield over the course of a year being a really good return 50, 40, 30 years ago. And now that we're seeing this kind of returns to kind of combat the inflation as a young person, that's why, why investing is like kind of a necessity for people like myself, because I don't think wages are keeping up and things of that nature. But okay, so there was one comment that you said where the community gets it wrong. Was, was that covered just now? Or was that something else that you wanted to get into? Oh, no, the... Um... I think that kind of goes into what you were just saying. You're like, you know, I love this community because you know, everybody does seem to be pulling in the same direction. There is a dichotomy there. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the public figures and a lot of the devs and stuff like that, you know, we all think one way, but there's a large part of the community that I just don't understand because Cardano is for people who understand the long game and understand patience and the process. We're seeing a lot of people, I don't know if they're new, but they have zero patience at all i mean they know they know the network's clogged right now but if their if their transaction doesn't go through in two hours they're done you know so there's always going to be some of that i think it's a good idea just to not listen to the community at all because there's just too many of those people in the community and i also think when it comes to a lot of these metaverse projects in particular and we'll talk about that in a moment too is i don't think they understand that if the project doesn't succeed they don't succeed. I think so many people are only interested in their own in-game experience or if their investment goes up. You know, I saw somebody, um, you know, there, there's a lot of whining on uh, Pavia um, everywhere you go, the Discord forum, Twitter. For months, man. It's, it, like it, it's, it's such a mess. Somebody said, oh, what's it Pavia, even matter? Let's go. Uh, it's, oh, we're, good. <laughs> oh, we're getting there. <laughs> but uh, 
somebody <laughs> said, oh, what's the matter? They're just going to give all the, all the remaining land away to, uh, to influencers anyway, which one, they're not doing. No, two, I wish. <laughs> two, I, I wish too. I'm an influencer. Yeah, it's, um, two, it wouldn't be the worst idea. You know, we need exposure. We need that outside money. That's how you get there. So, you know, people have to understand a rising tide lifts all ships here. If the project does well, you are going to do well. So think about that instead of thinking about the things that only apply to you. There's, um, there's a point that you made early, which is one of my principles too, which is, can you see like through the noise, right? And there's a lot of people that just need to start to think about that because there's going to be a lot of noise in opportunities like this. And oftentimes people that are criticizing Pavia are people that honestly just haven't even invested in it and they feel like they've missed out. And that's been my experience too. But it's interesting what you say about the flip side of that because there may be people that are still criticizing it that own Pavia my take on Pavia is they are a great example, and I could be wrong about this, but I don't think I am, of under-promising and over-delivering. And I'm just going to say that now, because that's, that's what I think is going to happen. Hard to say, um, mm-hmm. because there's so much we still don't know. You know. How do we even really know if they've over-delivered when there's still so little we can do. I mean, there's such a the tip of the iceberg of what this thing is, is capable of. Yes. Now, I think, I think some people are just defective and they think by, you know, grown men whimpering and crying on Twitter and on discord that they, they don't think they're going to be set up to get a good land drop that the Pavia people are going to take pity on them and grant them land. So I don't know what they're thinking, <laughs> but it's, it's I, I just don't know. It, <laughs> I mean, no matter, no matter what Pavia does, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. So, you know, just do, do what Cornucopius is doing. Just do what you know is right and understand the community is going to like it at the end of the day. Um, so it, if mm-hmm. you want to get into Pavia, I will, because I have some, I, I, this is really kind of ground zero here. I think, so understand I'm super bullish on all these projects we're about to talk about. There's just little bits of concerns that I think going forward would need to be addressed somehow for yeah. these projects for these projects to win. Now with Pavia, I really think IOHK needs to come out and say, look, this is our flagship project. If you want to go play a game, you go over to these other metaverses. If things, you know, if shit's going down, it's going down here. Concerts, speeches, interviews with monikers talking to monikers. You know, everything that's metaverse related is going to happen on Pavia. They need to do that because Pavia is probably not going to have the the money-making capabilities as some of the other play-to-earn games. Pavia needs to do what Decentraland has absolutely failed to do, and that is make a universe to where people actually want to live in and spend their day in. And have reasons to come back to every single day. And I hate to say this because I own land in the central land. I really wanted it to do well. But damn it, it had a th- like a three-year lead on everybody. And there is nothing going on there. You know, some people might argue, well, you know, there's 600 people playing poker. You know, 800 people showed up to the Steve Aoki DJ event. I'm like, there's 90,000 parcels in this damn thing. That's First, first isn't always best. Uh, for first can be good if you do something with it, but if you sit there and, and 
do nothing, which is pretty much what they've done. You have all these buildings that have nothing in them. You have mm-hmm. things that were made back in 2019 that have NFTs to where the links are broken or the NFTs sold out a long time ago. You know, it, it's almost like condemned buildings. And most of the land has nothing on it. You know, they, they have a very long way to go. And if they're going to wait one or two years to do it, there's going to be other projects that have caught up to that in a hurry. That are going oh to be, my gosh. And innovated on top of it with oh, virtual reality. Be, that are going to be so much more fun. Like I have zero reason to go to Decentraland on a daily basis. If Pavia mm-hmm. can give me a reason to go there every single day, it is going to win. I don't know exactly how they do that, but that's going to be whoever, whoever, win, whoever wins the metaverse, that's what they're going to do. I think, honestly, VP, this is just my thesis and this is not financial advice. So please do your own research for everybody listening. I think that the VR... Uh, the partnership they have with Ready Player Me, the Oculus, you know, demo. I'm sure that they're coming out with a new demo pretty soon. That's going to be more of a like an in-game demo. Um, and P- Pavia sponsors my channel, so I should say that full disclosure. But I don't know much more than you guys do or anything more. I think that the VR side of it is going to be the thing that creates social media, like the next generation of social media. Because I don't know if you've used VR much, VP, but I use it on a daily basis now. Like, I'm in love with it. I use the Horizon Worlds, which is done by Facebook. And there's this this component where you're actually playing games with people. You're talking to people all around the world that just feels so much more real than going on to a Twitter space or going on to Twitter and tweeting. And I think as humans, we just want that extra level of realness. So all their partnerships, I, I believe, are heading towards the first VR really integrated metaverse. And I think that that's how they drive the adoption. And that's why I'm placing my bets over there. But, you know, again, I could be completely wrong. I do think that the first metaverse to do that will be the one that really succeeds in what you're talking about. Make a successful VR application that's linked to the oculus so you could go onto the oculus you could use pavia you could use even potentially land parcels as their own applications in pavia which is another mind-blowing thought right and you could just go in there at community build and i think that's how it happens if pavia is successful at it great but i think that's how it happens regardless i don't know if you have any thoughts on that no, that's a great, I didn't even think about that. I knew about that, but I forgot about the VR component to it. Yeah, I mean, the game is to, to win the metaverse, you have to make somebody want to make that their primary or secondary life. And what better way to do that is if they feel like they're actually immersed in it, you know, from, a, from more of a, a 3D, 4D perspective. I think everything, everything they're doing is pointing that direction. I, th- I think we're only like 8% of the way there, though. We have so much left yeah. to see that I can't even really say if it's going to or not. <laughs> But, but I know that their oh, competition man. right now completely sucks. And if they want to close the gap, now is the time. So, uh, so it's going to be must-see TV. And they're one of the uh, most widely known, like, uh, well-funded projects in Cardano. Like, that's what they're kind of known for, too, is just being very well-funded. Um, so that's, that's what kind of gives me confidence that they can pull it off. Plus, they've already started to accept PCAs, Pavia Convertible Assets. And it's not just about Pavia. Like, it's, it's also about, I think people get lost on, oh, is it just going to be a metaverse on Cardano where you don't have to pay gas fees? 
what I've seen from a lot of these metaverses is they're trying to do something not only native to Cardano, like uh, Cardania, which operates with a stake pool, very native concept to how Cardano's network is decentralized. But I think they're innovating on top of what we've seen so far. And I think you're going to see that from, I think people are going to see that from a lot of products that happen on Cardano. Um, With DeFi, it's all about the security of the EUTXO model, which far exceeds what we have going on in Ethereum. And then the composability of being able to do things like staking your ADA with liquid finance, have it in your wallet, but also be able to do DeFi on top of having it in your wallet and using that ADA that's staked as collateral. I just think people um, will be really surprised this year by Cardano, and I hope I'm right. But um, is there any other thoughts on any other metaverses that you have or unique perspectives VP before we before we may move on, because I like your contrarian kind of takes. It's, it's healthy to have different perspectives. Yeah, and I like hearing it from your side too, because you're kind of the more big picture innovator type thing to where I'm just really looking at it from a business <laughs> side. Like I'm super excited that Pavia has even created this mania for their land drop. I mean, they're it's really, freaking nuts, man. they're bringing the worst <laughs> out in people. That, that's how you know you're succeeding because <laughs> people, are, people are losing their yes. minds over this. Uh, but no, there, there's a few um, projects that I'm invested in that I'm super excited about. Um, I guess if you want to start with uh, Equine, that Ooh, was- uh, let's go. Uh, sexy, I'm telling you. This, this has such a crazy potential because there's a big horse racing community out there. Jeez. And at the end of- at the end of the day, what they would love to do more than anything is be able to participate in a game like that and have the chance to actually win a little bit of money in the process. Problem is, all the horse racing games out there now have priced out 98% of their potential players. I think D-Race and Pegasi right now, I don't know the exact floor, but it's well over $1,000 a horse. I mean, you guys, you probably already know there's a huge racing community in the Philippines who in the Philippines is going to want to spend a thousand thousand dollars a horse? Oh, oh, that's if you win the Philippines, you've won the game. So I think if they if they can just find a way to keep it affordable for most people, they're going to do something nobody else is doing. And the sky is the limit on that because people have just been waiting for something like that. But every time it comes around, the, the floor price goes up and they can no longer play. Um, so that's a problem with a with a pretty singular solution that if they just figure that part out, I'm well, telling you. Well, they have the breeding functionality. Do you have pioneer horses? I have two. I have a mare and a colt. That so, same. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sweet. So if we have a mare and a colt, then every, every month we can breed with our mare and every, or every month we can breed with the male horse. And every three months, I believe we can breed with the female horse. And we can also go to other players with our male horse and breed two more times. So the mare keeps the baby horse, I'm pretty sure. So, and, and maybe I have that wrong. I think it might be either once a month for the female horse and then three yes. times a month for the stud. Now that yeah, I'm I, thinking about it. Yeah, so I think it, you, get, you get to do it more often. Yeah, it's, it's one, once a month for the mare. Once a month for the mare and three times a month for the stud. So At the studs can, can spread their seed, you know? And uh, that's important because that means that there's potential for each of us that has two, uh, two horses of the opposite sex to at least create, you know, value three times the value 
to breed for our stud for ourselves, but also create a new offspring to sell on secondary with our mare. So that's already four more horses to be made. If, you know, obviously uh, not everyone's mare is mating with their own internal in-house stud, which I'm sure isn't going to be the case. Um, Pioneer horses also, they continue on, right? So like if you have a pioneer horse, then because these horses have like an 18 month span before they die. So once they die, if you have a pioneer horse, it just respawns. So you get a brand new horse to do it all over again. So I think you're right. I, I, I didn't really consider that that would be the thing that made them successful. I was thinking that the realistic side of how kind of real the process is, how you can train your horses, how you can breed your horses, how you can race your horses was going to be the thing that pulled people in. But that's a unique perspective, man, because if they can increase the supply to make it affordable for people to buy horses that don't have that longevity lifespan, then maybe that will bring a lot more people into the game. Yeah. And that's really the key. And I'm, I really, I'm so one dimensional. I only look at things from the business side where people like you are able to see a lot more layers to this. But uh, one thing I will, <laughs> one thing I will um, for people who are watching this now that might be interested, I think what they're doing, which is interesting they're uh, they have breeding controls going on. Like if there's too many horses out there, the, the breeding fees go up. If they need more Ooh. horses, the breeding fees go down to, um, to kind of keep a nice, even market there, which I thought was a really good idea. And uh, just so everybody knows, once oh. you start bre- breeding your horse, you have to stop racing the horse. So you kind of have to decide when it's time mm-hmm. for that to happen. And when your pioneer horse dies, you are going to get another horse, but there's, it's totally random what you're going to get. You can get an amazing horse. You can get a really slow horse, but you will get a horse. So I think that's, there's, that's a good reason to get a pioneer horse now, even if it's a little bit out of your price range, you know, it should pay for itself quite a bit down the road. It's like 178 a floor. It's not too bad. Or a very, 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 very slow horse, but yes, you know, you will get a new horse and it might be much faster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true too. Um, super interesting on equine. Now, have you named your horses yet? Just a fun question. I named mine Serendipity and Providence. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, Did you? I, oh man, I, you do watch my content. I appreciate I, you. Beth. <laughs> I, I I have not yet. That's a big decision, man. That that's that's kind of a piece of it, who you it, are. Oh man, it took it took me a, a couple hours, man. Like I was, <laughs> but no, for real. Like uh, once I decided, I, I feel like that's what it's gonna be like when I have a kid. It's gonna be like once I decide on the name with my wife. Obviously, it's gonna be done. Um, is there any other, uh, tidbits on some of the, the other metaverses? I mean, probably a coin too. I don't know if you want to touch on that. I just feel like there's an opportunity there for people. That's huge because the market cap is still like incredibly low in comparison to some comps on other metaverse, uh, coins. And if they successfully implement, you know, there's a lot of speculation involved, but still any thoughts on that or any other of these metaverses? Uh, so yeah, I have maybe two other metaverses we can touch on. Just depends yeah. on how much t- how much time you got on the on the Pavia coin. Oh, yeah. it, it just depends on what the utility is going to be. If that's going to be the main in game currency, and if this really is the way people are going to be living some of their life, then yes, that thing is going to go up. But um, you know, I got free airdrop Pavia, so I have no reason to sell it because I didn't mm-hmm. even really I didn't really invest in it. So it, I'm just going to let it sit and do whatever it's going to do. And it's probably going to do really well. You know, if I can stake it somewhere, I'll do that. Um, it's kind of a free run at this point. But, you know, mm-hmm. if you're bullish on the ecosystem, you're bullish on the coin. Yeah, I just think that's an opportunity. What other metaverses, uh, Cardania, Cornucopius, 
Yeah, both of those. Um, Cardania is interesting. Um, that's the one I'm probably the most heavily invested in. Unlike a lot of the other projects where, like I said, we're probably like eight or 10% of the way there. I almost kind of feel like in Cardania, we're like 80, 90% of the way there. I can actually, I can actually envision what it would be like to play that game. I don't know about you, but um, they have, I think think you're right. I think you're onto something there. I think a lot of people discount Cardania because I don't know. I don't know why they do it. Why do you think they do it? I don't know. I don't understand why at all. I mean, they have pretty much hit every one of their marks. They have treated their community extremely well. Um, but my only concern, I even brought this up and brought it up to Captain. He answered it pretty well. I was like, um, I don't know anything about game development, but this this world seems massive and complex. Mm-hmm. How big's your team over there? Because I don't like the one fear I guess I would have is kind of have that like no man's sky dilemma come up like in September, October when it's supposed to be released and it, it would be on time and it would be good to go if they just had a bigger team. And captain said, Hey, I'm building out the biggest and baddest team in all of development. I'm like, okay, well, there's my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, captain's a scary guy. And I, I mean that like kindly, like he's, uh, he's, he's somebody that when he says he's going to do something, he's just has a good enough track record where you just believe it. And a lot of times in these crypto projects, especially early on when I was in Binance, Smart Chain even, I didn't really know the founders. So having a guy like Captain just continue to show up and update us on what exactly is going on and not only update us, but show us graphics, images of what the game is looking like, of what the different factions look like, things of that nature in real time saying, hey, this is where we're at. This is where we're at. This is where we're at. This is where we're going, but this is where we're at. It, it kind of makes it very palatable to see uh, the long-term success of that project. It totally is because everybody else is either, you know, not being as active with their information, which is fine. You don't have to be, or mm-hmm. they just, they just don't have that much of it done or conceptualized. You know, so I think some of these people are just kind of playing it as they go, which is fine too. But I like having that, all of that information. And, you know, like captain and I, I think are cut from the same cloth. He's very upfront. And he even said mm. the other day too, we we're talking about rug pulls. He's like, why is we're looking at the opportunity of a lifetime with this ecosystem here. Why is anybody rug pulling? How stupid do you have to be? Build a project, see what happens, you know, treat people well. It's, we have something here. And so that kind of mentality I can really, really get on board with. And that's why I'm probably more invested in this particular project than any of the others. Because to me, there's just a bit more known and I really like what I see. And I'm only a casual gamer. I'm not a big, like, you know, super gamer nerd. Um, and even I'm looking at this like, wow, this looks awesome. Yeah, man. And the best part about Cardania, I think a lot of, I think actually all of them, to be honest with you, is they're all thinking in terms of Cornucopius, Pavia and Cardania, they're all thinking, okay, we're going to have people that are passive investors of land. So how do we make sure to optimize so that way that land doesn't get go to use? Like there's a PIP, Pavia Improvement Proposal, by one of the mods, Ritos, that was submitted for leasing out and renting. And, and how are you going to actually optimize that leasing out and renting? Will it be to maybe a development team when the price of land is just so exorbitantly high that you just partner up with a development team, lease it out monthly, and let them build a game on your parcel? Things of that nature. Cornucopius is thinking the exact same way. But Cardania was the first that I really understood that like before, I think, the other two, just because in their rad distribution of holding the land and staking to the summon pool 
you're getting passive income without having to lift a finger. Yeah. And you know, with Pavia, it's like, well, you can do all these things on your parcel. I'm, I'm like, well, that still leaves a, a few questions unanswered. Like, what am I going to do? How would I monetize it? Would I monetize it? You know, it's like, again, for me, a lot of unanswered questions, not in a bad way, but just nothing I can be really assured of. Cardania, you pretty much know what's going on on that land already because they've told you. Um, I don't think that they still quite know how the traits are going to play in, um, but that will be really interesting too. Um, I've shared some thoughts on that, but uh, at least I kind of know what I'm getting. And at this stage of the game, as an investor, I like, I like it when I know more of what I'm getting instead of just somebody throwing ideas out. You know, I kind of like a little more known as opposed to unknown. I've, I have a lot of higher power level parcels for uh, Cardania, and then I have one golden shrine. And then I have a few uh, Cardania uh, parcels too. Um, My my quantum flux is ass. I hope quantum flux does nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. What about cornucopias? That's a, that's a huge one in, in terms of, you know, kind of leading the play to earn metaverse because they kind of go hand in hand sometimes uh way for cardano super native to cardano by the way started in project catalyst which is a grant program essentially operates like a dow isn't technically a dow but all you know funded from transaction fees from the cardano network you can get you can submit a proposal for people that don't know maybe and you submit a proposal to Project Catalyst. If it gets reviewed and the ADA voters vote on it to be accepted, you get a grant. So you don't even, it's not VC money. You don't even have to pay it back. The project, Cornucopius did this. They can use those funds directly, however they see fit, as long as it's like in their proposal, like it said, to just enhance their project and kind of jumpstart it. What do you think about Cornucopius? It, it, you know, it's such a push-pull because, I mean, you want to talk about the unknown. I mean... <laughs> cornucopias could be anything at this point only only the dead like they've get, they've given us some ideas but it's it's almost like you're gonna be riding around like the jetsons but it's gonna be like uh, <laughs> like little house on the prairie in real life like what is that even going to be about it's um it's good to know that they have that funding and you know we've gotten to know the founders and the devs a little mm-hmm. bit and and i mean how can you not be on board with those guys at the same time, I think this is going to be the main competitor to something like Sandbox when it's all said and done, hmm. um, but with way better aesthetics. I mean, every time they release a video, it's like oh, it's, clean. it's like hot porn. Like you, I see, I've seen your, <laughs> I've seen your reaction when you look at these videos. It's the same as my reaction. Just like look at this, it's amazing. Um, the you know the only like I said the yin and the yang here mm-hmm. is aesthetics. You know if if Roblox and Minecraft taught us anything, it's that aesthetics don't always win in the end. You still have to give me a reason to want to come there every day and do the things that I'm supposed to do. And I think they have a very good idea of how that's going to play out. You know, is it, is it going to take with the general public? I'm sure the Cardano community is going to love it. But again, at the end of the day, if you're going to win, you got to reach beyond that. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be their challenge. I think they understand that. Um, I just... The in the everyday gameplay is something I, I couldn't even conceptualize, so I just don't even try. I'm, you know, it's it's you almost just kind of like take the ride with them and just trust that they're going to do what they're going to do. And uh, I'm in. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be part of the bubble jet sale. I'll, I'll buy go. land. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to buy land. I mean, they they've they've sold me. Um, but but there's a lot of unknowns. And again, aesthetics are nice, but 
we need all of these projects to succeed for us to succeed. And so that at the end of the day is going to be their biggest challenge. But um, we have a lot of faith that they're going to pull it off. You know what I just realized about you, VP, is you're coming from this definitely from a long-term perspective, Ben, because just the fact that you're able to consider candidly all the unknowns of these projects, where a lot of people, even myself, probably get excited on the speculation of what these projects can become for full transparency, I can tell that you're you're looking for an opportunity, an entry point, but you're also looking for, you know, hey, like, let's settle down here, guys, a little bit, because at the same time, like, we don't really know yet about any of these until they actually fulfill. And then we can kind of get really excited because by that point, we'll have made, you know, a massive amount of returns and potentially returns generationally uh, with some of these things that can continue to spit, spit off cash flows and opportunities and business opportunities too. Um, I just really wanted to kind of uh, commend you, man, because I like this dialed down a little bit. You believe in the tech, you believe in these visions, but also, hey, look, we're not quite there yet. We still got, we got, we still got a few laps to go here before we can celebrate. Well, like I told you before, you know, crypto itself <laughs> Crypto itself is long term. You know, metaverses mm-hmm. are long term. The traders and the flippers win. The long term people win. You just got to stay out of that middle. You know, so it's yeah. Uh, it, and I already had that ingrained in me from the start. So that's why, you know, my crypto adventure has been a success so far. Mm. Um, and you know, I share that on the podcast and on the videos. And that's, that's just what I want to bring to the table. When I talk about the other side of things, I'm certainly not pooping on these projects. I'm just, I'm I'm, I'm I'm just thinking as a pure business person, if I was running these things, what challenges would I potentially have ahead? Um, And then just, those are the things I think about. So I think when you think that way, it allows you to make very calm, rational decisions. And then when you see everybody else, like talking about the floor price and, you know, the, the price of the native coin and things like that, you can just easily just tune it out because none of that stuff matters. And it's not going to matter for at least a year and probably, you know, three, four, five years down the road. And that's what I'm playing for. And I think that is such a great place to be because if I, if I ever have to concentrate on other things with my money, I can do that. You know, I don't have to check in all the time. I don't have to obsess over, you know, the congestion or, you know, they did, maybe they didn't release the game on time. I don't care, you know, just, just get it figured out at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and every day I see people on social media, you know, with the wins and the why isn't this happening now? And so that's uh, I guess that's what I want to share, because I think a lot of people are stuck in that middle because most crypto investors are very inexperienced. And you always start out in the middle because it's kind of a fun place to be to follow news and be in that ecosystem and part of it. But monetarily, it is not doing you any favors. I would pick a side, either do it the super quick route or or you know, just hodl and mean it. Um, yeah. And I think, I think you're going to not only get the most enjoyment out of it, but you're going to get the most money out of it. No, I'm definitely with you, man. It's actually really, uh, I, I, I just wanted to highlight that because it's pretty refreshing and I think it can help people too. But um, what I wanted to get to was, I'm going to throw something fun at you. Have you studied any of the NFT DAOs or have you had any thoughts on these DAOs recently? Have you seen any of my content on that? Cause I'll show you a treasury of one of them just to give you perspective of what the heck is going on. But um, I'll share my screen real quick. 
so tell me uh, while you're doing that, tell me if I'm right about this. What a lot of these DAOs are doing is they're buying NFTs and it's almost like an actively managed ETF to where they're going to keep buying and, and selling and you by buying in are just kind of along for the ride and you get a piece of the action. Am I, how far off am I on that? No, you're close. You, uh, if you have time, you should check out if you, if you have time, man, because I think it would be super helpful. Um, and I'd love to hear your perspective after you should check out one of my videos on rats Dow. This is rats Dow's treasury. So they sold membership tokens. They sold 1000 Genesis rats. And then they sold, I think 3000 more, um, just like non-Genesis rats or so wave two. And then they're going to sell six or, okay. So they're going to sell 6,000 more. So it's a 10 K collection of membership tokens to this DAO. But if you look at their treasury, they have like, they have like almost $500 million of CNFTs here. And if you just think of the appreciation on some of these, I don't know how much you're into like blue chip CNFTs. Maybe I should have started off there. <laughs> but are you kind of like, are you kind of like, you know, condescending? Do you think that this is just a fad? These, you know, PFP, blue chip CNFTs, the early, early OG ones that have most value like Space Buds or Barry, the first CNFT that was ever minted on the Cardano blockchain? Or do you think that there's something there? And then there's also things like Dead Pixels, which is the first interactive CNFT where you can actually like do stuff on it, but it's also becoming a game. So there's passive income potential there. Yummy, also becoming a game. Um, what is your take on CNFTs in general would be really fun to just ask. So this is where I'm going to have half your audience turn on me. Um, but I got to be honest. You're not a big CNFT guy. I am not. I don't have an eye for art, period. Okay. But, at, but at least I'm aware of that. Um, I do understand markets. And, you know, we've seen this before. And, I, you know, by being a, a part of some of these discords, you get to kind of see how the collector mind thinks. And I've, I've really enjoyed that, um, getting to learn that. I still, you know, I'm still one of those guys who just doesn't get it, but I don't hate on the project. You know, mm -hmm. as a pure non-art guy, I'm looking at the Barry. I'm like, people are paying a lot of money for that. That's stupid. That, that, that took maybe two minutes to make. Why, why does somebody get to spend two minutes making something and mint it and have it go for, you know, hundred thousands of dollars? That doesn't compute when you can actually buy something with better aesthetics you know the an eight bit picture of a pirate oh it must be nice you, know, you, can, you can just make something like that and everybody goes crazy over it i just don't have the headspace for that you know when i first saw crypto kitties i'm like this is the dumbest thing i ever saw why are people paying money for this and then it just got more absurd with the eth rocks and things like that uh <laughs> to a person like me but I understand what it's like to not think that way and to be more of a collector and actually see the value and the beauty in these things that I just don't simply don't. So I guess maybe that's why I wouldn't be as um, enthusiastic about something like RatsDAO, mm -hmm. even though even though I really like the concept. And there's people in my community that are talking about it right now. And mm -hmm. I, they might have they probably got that from you. So you're slowly creating a little bit of a monster with this as well. But <laughs> and I'm not even that big. But the thing is, like, okay, so just so you know, when one of my biggest returns from investing was investing a thousand dollars into buying 12 Panini Prism 2018, Panini Prism Mosaic 2018 MBA uh, packs. 
And the reason why I bought those was because the supply was much lower than it had been for years of certain rookie cards. And we had Luka Doncic, we had Trey Young, who were two players that were coming up the ranks as supposed to be really incredible players. Speculative investment. I had the money at the time. Ended up selling um, three cards. So a Luka, a LeBron James, and then a Trey Young for around $50,000 from a $1,000 investment as a collector. So from that, I mean, that was, I was young, man. I was like, I was like 20 years old. So I mean, that was a pretty big deal for me. But the thing that was interesting was with this Space Buds, it's not even like buying it for the PFP anymore. It's like the, like the um, Alessandro. And there's just some very like, I think wealthy, smart people in this community from Cardano. So I think people are buying space buds more from that end, kind of like CryptoPunks. Um, but I think I agree with you, man. I would love to see more utility NFTs, not saying that there aren't some here, because I do know that Dead Pixels has an interesting story. I won't uh, waste your time with it, but it is really interesting what these mean for the tech world because of the first interactive NFT on Cardano. And I think Yummy is making a play to earn game which is interesting. But what I'd love to see them do is buy up estates for Pavia, buy up bubble jets for Cornucopius, because those two things alone could have so much utility or buy up parcels from Cardania. And basically what they're going to work on and what ADAO is working on right now is being able to fractionalize these NFTs. So that way every person within the DAO holds a fraction and you can trade it only within other DAO members. So if they are successful in buying up a lot of NFTs, can you imagine what that would mean to supply? And can you imagine how valuable it would be to even be a member to be able to buy a fraction of one of these projects, whether it's Pavia or Cornucopius, if the price of a fraction is far less, but the only way that you can get one is becoming a member? I don't know. I just think that it's going to really change the, the, the whole market. I think that this is something to look at because it may actually change the actual market dynamics of what we see with prices too. So, so a comment and a question. Um, mm-hmm. So the comment, as far as a DAO that's going to own land and maybe like bubble jets and things like that, if it's not here already, it's probably coming. Um, we could probably admit that if there's opportunity, somebody's going to find it. So um, now I agree. My- my question is with what you were, you were showing me. So did I get this right? You can only trade with other members of the community. You can't trade outside of that. I think that's how they're going to do it. Because like if I wanted to, so if you fractionalize a space bud that's worth $30,000 on the market and you fractionalize it with 10,000 people and each fractional piece is selling for, I don't know, however much that would be three ADA, something like that. Then the only way to, and then the DAO would create royalties from their inner DAO marketplace. So like every time somebody trades, now the treasury is getting bigger, they can buy up more NFTs, but now we can liquidate our fractions or collect more fractions of something. Got it. Okay. That is super interesting. I think, um, I think what people just have to realize is yeah, the market does go in cycles. NFTs do bust after that initial hype is over and somebody finds the next shiny object. So just, if you're going to be in it, again, be in it, <laughs> believe in the project and just ride those ups and downs. Because I think I, mm-hmm. I really do like the idea, but I think where people are going to lose is they're going to give up as soon as that first drop happens. <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is sobering advice, guys and gals. So that's really good to good to say, man. 
if, if you believe in it, believe in it and just hang on to it. And if it, uh, here's the great part about all of this, Jay, is that we only have to be right on about 10 to 15% of these things. Everything else can literally rug and we're going to be really, really well off in the crypto game. The asymmetry is that high. So if you're worried about something going to zero, I wouldn't. I would just spread your money out across different projects mm. um, that, that you believe in. And again, you just really have to get one right, maybe two, and you are going to be very, very happy. Um, so I think by doing that, you can stop obsessing over the market and just enjoy what you have. You know, people really mm. like this stuff. They like being a part of these communities. And that's I mean, that's a side benefit that you don't get with most stocks or even regular cryptos. Um, True. Yeah, because the people, you know, the people in those markets have already moved on to other things. You know, there's a lot of ridiculousness in in those communities too. And you know, I would rather be a part of something like this if I was somebody who really enjoyed it because it's it's a much deeper, meaningful thing for a lot of those people. Um, and that, that can be a double-edged sword, but if you can just separate that from the actual investment side of it, this is kind of one of those game changers that we're seeing in this blockchain that others are going to want to copy down the road. But if you're first, that's, that's something. It's a good thing. Um, one more thing on this that I just wanted to show you because I thought you'd find this interesting. So I've talked with a few of these like people helping these DAOs, and what they're aiming towards is being able to have a treasury that can then also fund internal projects. So DAOs could, you know, if they get the royalties, if they're selling certain CNFTs, if they're selling certain, you know, um, tokens that also represent their DAO treasury, if you will, besides NFTs, but actual fungible token that gets airdropped at first to members and then members sell it. And then there's like some kind of, you know, I don't know, but they're making money. And then they can actually go to their community and say, all right, guys, so you guys can come to us. And if you want to submit a, a idea for a proposal, we'll help you fund it. And it will be under the DAO and it'll be a business for us. So we'll make money and we'll pay you from the treasury for your time working on the project. So they're now able to create jobs from the treasury and potentially, and this is wild stuff, man, and it's super early, but they're potentially able to create like an umbrella company with these DAOs where they actually have like rats DAO, you know, under project or something project powered by rats DAO, something like that. Play to earn game powered by rats DAO. And it might not be a play to earn game because that's expensive, but I'm sure you can imagine the potential for other types of plays that maybe aren't so expensive. I can now. Um, my understanding of DAOs was very limited, uh, probably the same as most people, to where I just thought it was almost more like a governance token that gave you voting rights on things. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to vote on things I don't understand that well. You know, maybe I'll I'll look elsewhere. But this is very multi-layered. Um, yeah, dude. <laughs> these people, these people could have just taken what they had and stopped, and still probably become pretty rich. But they they want to go. They really want to spider things out, and I think that is super interesting i didn't know you could do all of that with a dow that's kind of where my education level was on it so uh this dude. is cool I, I, don't, I don't even know how to process it at this point dude i know right i just wanted to show you i'll stop but i just figured that you'd you'd appreciate it you know um because i just was learning about it a couple of weeks ago and i was like holy crap man this is changing again um all right so i got one more thing if you have time vp i do all right cool so 
this was in a Twitter space last night. All right. Actually, two more things, but the last thing is super quick. It's just my final wrap-up question I like to ask guests. But this was something I heard in, in a Twitter space. And this is going to be wild, man. It, it, as we get to become friends and talk more, I'm sure you're going to think that I'm kind of crazy. But Web3 or Web1 was kind of, you know, all about information, giving information. Uh, Web2 could be considered, you know, social media community building, right? Community building was a huge focus on Web2. Web3, financial, you know, and digital ownership, digital property of, of finances, digital property in general potentially. So somebody was talking to me last night about what web four was going to be. And I was like, well, hold on, hold on a second. We're, we're not even there yet. We're, we're still on web three. Like let's, let's all just chill out. But they actually said something that was super interesting and I can't stop thinking about it. They said that web four may end up being, and what they're working on to it for a catalyst proposal is the measuring in transacting on meaning and intent. I just want to open the floor and, and hear what you think about that, or if you have any thoughts on Web4, or if you just want to, you know, put that out for another year. But well, uh, I, I, I think we're, it's probably 10 years too early to talk about Web4. I think a lot of things they talk about for Web4 could be integrated into Web3. You know, that's how early we are into Web3. So why are we even talking about it in those terms? But I think a lot of what you were talking about is kind of along the same parallels as Neuralink. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but this stuff is horrifying. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. <laughs> because it's you can so do scary. a lot, you can do a lot of good with it, but God forbid you get somebody in there that is going to use it for the powers of evil. It's over with. Oh man, dude. So just don't even start. You know, there's movies about that, about these people who are trying to change the world and trying to do really good. Um, but all it takes is that one bad actor to come in and, you know, and then the whole world just ends, you know, that's, that's the, that's the story arc of a lot of sci-fi movies, if you really break it down. And that's kind of what this is. They want to get you really excited about the good aspects of it. Um, but just kind of leave the bad part out because you can't make money if people know about the bad part, but it's still there. <laughs> and I think it would be better just to not have that there. I mean, what problem are you really solving by doing that? You know, not much. It's just kind of interesting. And I don't know, you'd have to really convince me that we need this and the risks are worth the rewards. And you're not going to do that any, anytime soon with me. You think that it's like for me at this point from the data that I've studied and where things are going, not saying I agree with it, but I personally think it's kind of a foregone conclusion at this point. I don't think we're going to be able to stop it. Do you think there is a way to not have this kind of play out or are you even worried about that at this point? <laughs> I think there's some really ugly technology out there already. Mm -hmm. And we are already doing things to curb that and to make sure it doesn't fall in the wrong hands. And if it does that, they don't use it. I mean, just, just think of what we have right now with, uh, with nuclear weapons. I mean, if people really woke up and wanted to do it, they could, but there's those checks and balances and safeguards in place. So I think that's always going to be the case going forward, um, which is good. But if the technology just never came to fruition at all, I would like that better. Hmm. Maybe if that, make, if that makes sense. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So hopefully if it does come to fruition, there's enough checks and balances to kind of help um, subside 
a lot of harm. But if it doesn't happen, you're kind of stoked either way. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you can read my thoughts, you can also control my thoughts over time. And that's, that's a place we never want, ever, ever want to go. Jeez. Okay, on to the final question. This is a fun segment. Um, that was great, though. And we're going to keep this because this is going to be a good video for humanity to look back at, especially, you know, our grandkids or our grandkids, grandkids, potentially. But um, this is the final question, VP. We really appreciate you taking the time spending with the J Crypto audience and with myself today. Like we really do. We don't want this to happen, but we got to ask you, and maybe, maybe it was what you just said, but if you could say something different, it would be nice too. If you were to die, if you were to die and we don't, and I'm sure you may have seen me ask this question before, but if not, we don't want you to die. Please don't die. If you were to die today, and you said everything you need to to your family, your friends, your loved ones. What would you want the crypto and Cardano space? If you were to die, you're gone. But we could still say, wow, okay, remember that guy BP on Jay Crypto's video, you know, and other videos that he has on this channel too, of course. But right here is the moment. Um, what would be your kind of best advice moving forward for like the next hundred years, even like something that could echo throughout time that we could look back and be like, dang, okay, we can remember VP's words of wisdom here and we'll execute because that was super helpful potentially. So I guess, you know, I'm not like super emotional guy. I'm more kind of like logic, black and white uh, robot guy. But, That's great. Um, so yeah, if I died, I've already, I've already helped a lot of people, you know, I can die really content if it happened tomorrow. But, um, wh what I would say too, is whether it's crypto or wh whatever else is coming in the future, there's a lot of comfort and a lot of fun in being in the middle. Like we talked about integrating ourselves in this community and getting that dopamine hit of having new things happen every day, having, having like-minded people around us. But when it's all said and done, it has a really good chance of just crushing you financially, crushing your spirit. And, you know, if you spent 10 years in that ecosystem and it just completely left you in the dust, what is that going to do to you as a person? You know, so if you can find a way to separate yourself from that, um, especially your wallet from that and pick a side, am I a flipper trader? Am I a long-term investor? And by long-term, I mean four, five, six years. You know, set it and forget it. That is going to serve you really well, even though I know right now most of you don't want to do that. Um, it's probably going to be vital to you and your mental condition and those around you if at some point you can figure out how to do this sooner than later. And Cardano has a really good opportunity because Cardano people do take their time they understand the long game so you know ride that logic with them and let's let's just kind of sit back and take this ride together put our chips down and just let it go wow man so that is honestly that's good advice even for someone like myself man i'm not gonna lie i think the thing that hit me was the three to five year window instead of you know, maybe two to three year window. Um, I don't know if I'm looking that long-term if I have been because things change so quick and you want to be on your feet. But I think what resonates with me 
is the part of placing my bets and just holding them there. Like if they fall, they, they're going to fall. And I think that's what you're saying. Not saying that you can't just keep, you know, placing other bets if you're fortunate enough to make more money, but deciding on projects that you're okay with staying with, when do you think is the point to let go? Do you, do you encourage people at any point to sell or do you just say, you know what, man, if you're in it, are you going to be kind of like, you know, cause I've had a lot of stuff die with the uh, wind and I'm still holding a lot of stuff that has yet to, or that has done well, but after it died and dropped off, do you, do you think that anywhere else, like if you're looking for a point to sell after something crashes, you're still in the middle just for like kind of getting more context on this point before we go? Probably because I've seen a lot of things crash and that doesn't mean it's done. You have to look at the fundamentals, like so much of crypto, mm. uh, to a lot of people crashed, but did the fundamentals really change? They mostly didn't. And so that's, that's what we, we look at in the precious metals world too. You know, that market crashes for no reason. You know, did gold all of a sudden not stop being gold? Did gold miners all of a sudden not pull gold out of the ground? No, none of those things changed. It's just the price is so manipulated nowadays in every market that they're just really playing with you. And it's up to you to decide if you want to fall for their trap or not. That's what, that's what being long-term that's why it's so great because you can just watch these things happen. And one, it doesn't bother you that much Two, It gives you opportunities to come back in on the cheap on some other projects that might've come along that you were interested in. Don't buy these in bull markets, buy them now, you know, and if you do that, if they lose, well, you didn't lose that much because you got in cheaply anyway. And to, to answer your question earlier, um, hmm. I, there's not going to be a real declared winner or a number of winners in the metaverse, probably in two years. I think that question is going to take a good three, four, five years to answer. Yeah. And, and I want to be around and I want to be invested when that answer comes. Now, I, wow. I'm, usually, I'm usually into blue chip things, so I don't have to worry about letting them go. But there have been a couple of things, like I'm an investor in one inch, and there's so many DEXs right now. Yeah. It's like, I, I got to figure out who's the who's the worst of the bunch, because I might want to get rid of that and put it in something that has more potential down the road. But I don't want to be somebody who reacts to what's going on right now and ditches a project like that, because that's, that's a good, well-funded project. So, you know, I have some decisions to make, but I don't have many, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's a luxury to be into good projects and just letting them go. If you're speculating on, you know, wild, you know, low cap coins or nfts i can't even speak to that mm. um that's a personal decision but it, you know hopefully what i said made sense if you can just get yourself over to this headspace the world becomes a lot more opportune a lot more easy and you can make decisions and take time on those decisions rather than see a piece of really bad news or a string of bad news events and react to it in a way that the whales and manipulators probably want you to react to it so they can come in and scoop up more. That's what they're doing. It's up to you to decide whether you want to fall for their tricks or not. If the fundamentals are there, you know, <laughs> Dude, and, and, the, and, and the price goes down, buy more for Christ's sakes. What are you, what are you doing? Do you think that there's, um, do you think people have the ability and we can end it after this because I'm sure I don't want to keep you too long. Um, do you think people have the ability to do a little bit of both? So do you think people can do a little bit of, you know, flipping and because I just want to drill this on your thesis on this, because I know that this conversation is going to help a lot of people. 
So do you think that there's uh, people that can be long on some stuff and then play the play the flip game on other stuff? Or do you think that, that whole mindset kind of gets a little bit, you know, or do you think it really depends on the person? No, I certainly do think it's possible because I do it. I trade yeah. forex. I trade forex every single day. I use the daily chart. So to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It takes it only like, takes about 10, 15 about? minutes. No, no, because I think I think I'm kind of somewhat like that, but not like that. The forex probably, you know, that's really quick turnover. I think rate. I do think it, yeah, it is, but I think it's really hard for younger people because this is all they have ever yeah. known. Investing. I'm a Gen Xer, so investing to me, you know, almost kind of like you were saying before. If you were to get a 30% return on a stock back in the day, like you would call your family and go out to dinner and drink champagne. Like that was a really big deal. And there might come a time where we go back to a market like that, where all these crazy upside opportunities subside a bit for a few years. And I'm really worried that young investors aren't going to be able to adjust to that. Like, you know, they're not going to get out of, they're not going to get out of bed. They're going to get out of bed for a 20% yearly return. No. They're going to just start a, yeah, I don't know what the, they'll probably try to start a business or something. Yeah, I mean, the dopamine hits that they've given you guys are just, have just ruined you from that aspect. Um, But the good news is, is you guys are starting earlier than everybody else did. Jeez, Um, yeah, (laughs) you're right. You're a hundred percent right on the last point too, yeah. And so you, so you can make a ton of mistakes now and be fine. I just hope it just doesn't wreck people mentally uh, when it happens because it's going to happen because it has to happen. Yeah. You know, I, bl- I blew my bank account out three times before I even started to get good. And I could have easily quit. You know, I could have gone another direction and you and I wouldn't be talking right now. But I just I realized I had something. I realized this is what I loved and I just kept going and I figured it out over time. So if you um, if you get wrecked, if you get rug pulled, if things go to zero, you're going to be fine. Stick with it learn from your mistakes, write those mistakes down, say, I'm never going to make this mistake again. I'm going to want to, because I'm going to get those feels again. But <laughs> every time you fail and you, so say I'm, uh, and you say, I'm not going to make that mistake again, you just get stronger and stronger and stronger. Like, I feel like, I'm, you know, I'm not, but I feel like I'm almost bulletproof nowadays. Like there's nothing anybody can do to shake me off of an investment I believe in. You know, nothing can make me change the trading system that I've built for 12 years. You know, so I'm going to really good place but i'm still young enough to where i understand a lot of what's going on in the markets now so that's why i was always compelled to share that information even though you know there's a lot of people that really aren't going to like it when i say it but over time you know there's a lot of people that hated me at first that go back to my channel a few years later because they're like oh okay maybe some of these concepts are actually important if i want to make money in a world where our purchasing power is dying you know i better get it right now mm-hmm. and, the, and the sooner the better and you guys have started so early if you wanted to you could take over the game and it's going to be fun to watch kind of from the from the bleachers <laughs> so yeah man i'm gonna wrap this up but i think that was a really healthy segment and i hope people got you know really took those sobering thoughts i think there are people getting tricked by the market especially younger people and it's just not that you're not good or talented or, or just that you may have picked something that's gone up in value. It's just, it's also kind of a weird time where you don't really know if what you picked went up in value because of what you saw in it and, and to just be careful. Um, dude, honestly, this was really healthy. Uh, VP. If I could have you back in the next month or two months or whatever, what I'd really like to go into actually with you is your thoughts on the upcoming broader market 
maybe less of, you know, NFT and rats down and stuff like that and metaverse, but more of like what you see happening with interest rates and how that's going to affect crypto. I won't do that today because I respect your time and I'm, I'm, I, I'm sure you have stuff to do, but um, maybe we can do something like that. I think the audience would love to have you back, man. I'm totally down. And I hope a few months from now we can uh, do interviews in your Pavia studio with my uh, avatar talking to your avatar. <laughs> let's go. And, yeah. Hey, let's do it, man. Uh, yeah. Although all the success to you, man, you're growing, you're doing everything right. You're putting out of like a video a day, which is nuts. Um, if you ever feel like you're getting burnt out, pull it back. You know, we'll be okay with it. But, um, uh, but <laughs> yeah. I, I love, I, I, I love the trajectory you're on right now. No, I appreciate you, man. I really do. So I, what I'll do VP is I'll actually say my goodbyes to you after I pause the recording, but I just want to say to the J crypto audience, um, I'm going to put VP's links in the description below. Make sure you go check them out uh, for more of his content. And that's pretty much it. So that's VP. That's J crypto. We're out. Take care guys.